Green Street Joinery and the American Craftsman Podcast are proud to partner with Montana Brand Tools. Montana Brand Tools are manufactured by Rocky Mountain Twist in Montana, USA. With numerous patents dating back to the invention of the Hexshank system by our founders, we strive to produce accessories that add precision, flexibility, and efficiency to your toolkit. In addition to woodworking tools, we produce many high-quality cutting tools that are used by the aerospace, medical, automotive, and industrial markets. Our end product has a fit and finish that is beyond comparison. Montana Brand Tools are guaranteed for life to be free of defects in material and workmanship because we build these tools with pride and determination. For 10% off your order, visit MontanaBrandTools.com and use the coupon code AmericanCraftsman. All right, people, welcome to the American Craftsman Podcast. Yeah. Episode 17. 17 of the new year already. Yeah. What um, is this? this is what, the third episode of the new year? Yeah, I should say a new season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we don't really start on the on the 1st of January. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think what August was the uh, was the beginning. Wow, all the way back in then. Yeah, yeah. This is our first week. We're going uh, no more video. Just become too much of a problem. <laughs> <laughs> we decided we have faces for radio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, just ho- you know, software problems, and frankly, a lot of you guys. I mean, the vast majority of people just listen, so... Yeah. Um, we actually, we got some new microphones. I, I think it sounds a little bit different. I I mean, you just heard what was recorded. Yeah. It definitely sounds a little bit different than... Um, I wouldn't say it's it's any better or worse, but definitely just a little bit different. What are we using now? We got some Shures. These are, yeah, Shure MV7s, which is like a... Uh, kind of like a cheaper dumbed-down version of the SM7B. Yeah, which is sort of like the mic mm-hmm. for this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so we're still figuring some stuff out with that. <clears throat> and, uh, yeah, well, we won't bore you with any of this uh, microphone talk anymore. But That's exciting stuff. I it, don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're uh, So we're getting back into the federal period. Well, I mean, you got, it's no different for you. We've been away <laughs> from the podcast for three or four weeks or whatever yeah we, you know we recorded the last batch about a month ago um so we're revisiting this last episode um we didn't get time to fit it in the last time because we ran into those issues with the again with the filming right um so we had to cut that that day short so we're gonna we're gonna get this one uh done today and then we'll be moving on to uh what's the next i think empire empire yeah um so we're gonna sort of uh I think what we're going to be doing is a little bit of a wrap-up, you know, sort of summarizing the federal period. And we're going to talk about how it's relevant today, yep. its impact. You know, all this stuff is is sort of, by the time you get to where we are as um, craftsmen, as a society and everything, everything's all just muddled together nowadays. Mm-hmm. It's It's interesting to even think about how there were these distinct periods of of style um, because I can't really even think of the last time we had anything like that. Yeah, yeah, something that's, like, very clear-cut. And new. Right. And, I mean, you see these styles are um, encompassing decades upon decades, so maybe we're in the middle of one now. We just don't know it. <laughs> it could be. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> we're in the middle of a lot of stuff we don't know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the other thing that's interesting, and it, it's going to be true when we get into Empire as well, is that it, it's weird to think about how these larger social issues have influenced the 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 style of the day. Like yeah. this is called federal because it's named after you know the United States becoming the United States, right? Um, no longer a colonial um, entity of Britain. So as I said, federal references this period after the Revolutionary War. It's not necessarily one super specific style of furniture, although there are definite, um, what would you call them, characteristics yeah. of federal furniture that, you know, we can all kind of recognize, those those straight lines. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely a move away from the, the florid sort of carvings and, yeah. you know, when we if we can reach back in our memory uh, thinking about like... Uh, you know Chippendale and the, when all those things, those curved legs, the yep. cabriole, and all that came in to be, but definitely still pretty <clears throat> ornate. Oh yeah, I mean there definitely is still there are a lot of turned legs and um, and uh, intricate veneer work stuff like that. Yeah, we're gonna. I have a couple of links. Um, well, we'll talk about it mm-hmm. <laughs> cuz no I mean nobody saw them anyway. Yeah, well, <laughs> here here's the thing now. If you want to see the pictures, you got to join the Patreon because that's the only way you're going to get these links. Yeah. Um, yeah. that's not it. We're not extorting you. It's just the reality of it now since there's no video. If you want to see the pictures, uh the the links will be in the outline that the uh Patreon the patrons get over on Right. Patreon. Right. You can get the whole it's almost like a study guide actually. Yeah, you yeah. Know, the way and there's all... more information in this than we even cover, really. Yeah. Because we end up, you know, skipping over parts. Glossing over some things. Um, yeah. Um, so let me backtrack a little bit. Federal period, named after the, the time after the Revolutionary War. Um, and the styles even varied from town to town. Mm-hmm. That's how, you know, not... Uh, pinned down it was yeah oh i should say that it wasn't called the federal period in europe it was just called furniture (laughs) no no, they called it neoclassicism okay yeah because a lot of this stuff is people looking backwards you know the Mm -hmm. the classics the the um yeah i mean we talked about it maybe in the first episode the unearthing of pompeii and yeah the they you know found all these things that were sort of frozen in time and they're like holy crap this is cool let's start you know exactly. mimicking what they were doing in in Italy back you know whatever thousand it, years ago yeah it was it was pretty cool um so you know if you've ever seen antiques road show like um there's the the Kino brothers and stuff like that guys like that they can, because um, all this stuff wasn't signed, mm-hmm. they can identify what area, uh, what town or city sometimes these pieces were made and, and sometimes by whom. And, um, you know, they, they all have similarities, but each craftsman kind of had, and each town had their own thing. So it was sort of like, you know, if we were working back then we'd be working in a specific style and people would 
you know, say, oh, that's a New Jersey. That that could be that could be Green Street because yeah, yeah. you know they were working out of Port Monmouth, New Jersey. And they're like, oh, look, it's like a one, you know, uh, eighth inch chamfer. That's <laughs> that's something that they did a lot. Yes, there's the Luigi. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so federal period furniture is still available today. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you type in federal period furniture just in a Google search, you'll see shops that dedicate themselves to it. But mostly it's like you type in federal period furniture and you get like Wayfair, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Raymore and Flanagan. Bad copies. <laughs> but they're still sort of copying the, the general look of the furniture. Um and it's so it's popular. It's it's somewhat timeless if you're into that style of furniture. You right. know that kind of it's for today's uh, look. It's very formal. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Um, I got here the publication of Heppel White's The Cabinet Maker and Upholsterer's Guide, pub, pub, published. <laughs> Oh, it's it's gonna be one of those days. Published is it? posthumously. Published posthumously by his wife Alice in seventeen eighty eight, and Thomas Sheridan's four volumes of the Cabinet Makers and Upholsterer's Drawing Book had a huge impact on the spread and dissemination of the federal style. With Heppelwhite having over six hundred subscribers himself, it's safe to say the plans and ideas from those books were used by thousands of cabinet makers, including other well-known builders like Duncan Fife and the Seymours. This is jogging my memory that those guys were big in this period. Yeah. <clears throat> it's funny to think that, um, well, you know, there weren't the Raymore and Flanagans of, and Wayfarers of the day. So if you wanted a piece of furniture, you had to go to a shop basically mm-hmm. and um whatever was popular that was what people wanted they'd come to you and say yeah um build us a, a dresser and it's got to be in the, the style of the day yeah because that's what everybody's making There's right no so you we would bust open the book mm-hmm. and we'd say which one do you want Pop open SketchUp. <laughs> it's so foreign to us because we kind of go from our gut, you know what I mean? Yeah. We're, we're trying to, um, you know, of course, we draw on our own influences, but we're, we're trying to challenge ourselves and things mm-hmm. like that without being too um, avant-garde about it. Uh, so, no, American neoclassicism, federal style... And the Founding Fathers. Uh, So uh, if anybody's um, a history nerd like me, you'll know that Thomas Jefferson spent a bunch of time in Paris. Um, Did he? Yeah. You know Jefferson. Wasn't there a movie, Jefferson in Paris, something like that? Anyway, he was sort of like, uh, we'll call him the American apostle of classicism. Um, and he came to Philly, came back to Philly in 1790, and he brought with him 86 cases of neoclassical furnishings straight from Paris. Wow. So, <clears throat> although this is called the Federal Period, and America thought, you know, we were forging our own identity, 
Um, we're still heavily influenced by the styles driven uh, by European um, designers and makers. Um, James Madison, uh, another of our founding fathers, he uh, ordered French furnishings, uh, Monroe. These are all, um, you know, signers of the Declaration of Independence. Right. Uh, even Washington himself, uh, he had acquired a, a lot of um, furniture from Paris. They should have been buying local. <coughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> Shop local. Yeah. Yeah. <coughs> um, Seems like politicians haven't changed much. No. If you check out these links, the, the pier table. Wow. It's pretty ornate, uh, as you were saying. Hey, what the hell's going on here? Um, you could see, like, the animal feet, the carvings. And this is not necessarily what you think straight federal period, but this definitely um, fits into that category. Yeah. Um, you could see in the back almost... Um, you know, it's that tapered column. Um, tons. Oh, there's a mirror right here. Yeah, yeah. I'm like looking at this leg. I'm like, what's up with this leg? Yeah, the, a pier table was sort of set against the wall. Yeah, like a, I could see it like in the foyer, you know? Mm-hmm. And a lot of times they'd have like draperies and stuff like that. Or it'd be like in between windows uh, and, and things like that. You know how they had those huge windows yeah. um, and a lot of times they'd put a big mirror mounted over the top of it too hmm. seen a lot of stone tops mm -hmm. in the federal period yeah yeah uh, but look at all that inlay yeah and probably a lot of that's you know gold leafing and stuff like that I don't know all, look at all that hand I mean, we carving. We were just talking about how there was less carving. I mean, this is heavily, look at that. heavily carved. Yeah. Look at this claw foot. Yep. It's like, you know, a more photorealistic <clears throat> kind of yeah. claw foot. And, the you know, sleeves. what we've learned through um, doing these podcasts is that it wasn't like one guy built this piece of furniture. Um this would come out of a shop that had a guy who specialized in carving, and he'd mm -hmm. do all the carving work. One guy might specialize in the inlay, yep, and and that sort of thing. Where we're sort of do-it-all guys nowadays. Yeah, you know the the custom cabinet shop. Let's see the other one. This is typically. Um, Rectangular. It's a little bit more um, very eastern looking. Yeah, shape wise, what we think of as federal, but those inlays and that center panel. Yeah, that's really unusual. Wow, it's pretty cool. Well, you can see there's you know influence from the wider world there, mm -hmm. but even that. Even the door or whatever that, I think that's a drop-down leaf. That's a, a secretaire. Oh, yeah, it looks like it. Um, so that probably drops down. Uh-huh. Um, it looks like those are all veneers. Yeah. Could the sapwood <coughs> here. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of veneer work. Um, 
as we've been saying. Wow. It's pretty impressive. Um, it's, it's, it's a shame, you know, most people are listening. Um, but, uh, and it, I don't know if people even have the time in their busy schedules. Mm-hmm. But these pieces of furniture are really worth seeing. I, I mean, it's yeah. been eye-opening for us to just take a look at the level of craftsmanship. Right. Um, that these are not necessarily all, like, famous pieces because of who made them. They're just surviving pieces. Right, yeah, there's only so many examples of um, genuine. So it's like th- there were so many skilled craftsmen. It's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas nowadays, they're few and far between. This almost looks, like, liturgical. Mm-hmm. Like a... Uh... Um, tabernacle or something. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Talk about rectilinear. <laughs> right. Um, so that's a good segue into um, talking about veneer and inlay, mm-hmm. which is it's one of the defining features of the federal era. Um, and uh, although, you know, they had done it before, obviously, mm-hmm. but this becomes like uh, a really prominent feature during this period of furniture um and for us nowadays veneer has kind of taken on almost um a a lesser than kind of meeting right you know now it's like a cheap way out Mm -hmm. versus um and that we're generalizing obviously yes um versus like something to be done to to elevate the craft it's something to be done to save money, basically. Right. I mean, because it, it's even like a, uh, a part of speech, like to say it's like, you know, a thin veneer, mm-hmm. you know, or to veneer over something. It, it kind of means, you know, to gloss over it yeah. or <laughs> cover up something. Um, but here we got, uh, I, I noted four reasons, four good reasons for employing veneer. Uh, one. A more balanced construction can be achieved, free from the inevitable splitting, checking, warping, and distortion of solid timber. (laughs) Yeah, we know about that. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Two, uh, or B, (laughs) the availability of rare and highly decorative timbers is vastly extended by using them in sheet form. So it's it's economical. It's yeah, ecologically. You, you could stretch out that tree. Mm-hmm. Um, next, for decorative effect, duplication of identical grain configurations can make match panels and all sorts of patterns, um, and that's really hard to do with, you know, or in a sense, impossible to do with solid wood, you know, unless you got a flitch, yeah. and then even then. By the time you got to third or fourth board, you know... You start to lose yeah, the, uh, the green. It's not going to look the same. And uh, last, certain rare and costly burrs, curls, abnormal grain effects have very little structural strength. Yeah. So you can use like a burl, um, and it's we don't have to worry about whether it's going to be strong enough to be in a door or something like that. Yeah. You could use limb wood. Probably, mm-hmm. um, 
you know, you can't use that in furniture. <laughs> no. That's, it'll move like crazy. <laughs> I think that's something that a lot of people don't know is that all the wood that, you know, that you would, like, buy, like, all the wood we get, that's all from the trunk. Yes. It's never from a limb. Yeah. Uh, because the limb is is way more prone to movement, and, and they're just not uh, structurally sound. I'm getting emails. I'm getting low-ball offers on our uh, old microphones. <laughs> We don't we don't take kindly to that. No. <laughs> yeah, if anybody's uh, anybody out there listening, you know, is looking for a couple of uh, yeah. good mics, Audio Technica AT twenty twenty XLR mm-hmm. with accessories. Yeah, um, uh, and and there are disadvantages to to using veneers. Um, you know the ones that we could commonly think of, like the the chipping, mm-hmm. the fragility of the edges, and you know, the, even on a top surface. Um, and uh, back in the day, you could kind of the glues would sort of seep through, and you you wouldn't uh, be able to get that same kind of um, sheen that they they really liked back right. then. Um, but uh, it's not so much of a problem today. Um, and uh, if anybody's interested, I, I pulled some of this information from the Encyclopedia of Furniture Making um, by Ernest Joyce, uh, to, to quote my reference. Is that a movie, Ernest Does Furniture Making? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but it doesn't come out. Like, it doesn't come out that well. We watched uh, Ernest Saves Christmas. Oh, did you? With Hunter. Yeah, how do you like it? Uh, yeah, you know, he's only three, three and a half, so he, he loses interest pretty quick no matter what it is, but that was funny. Uh, I hadn't seen it in a, in a long I, time. I think Ernest came out. I, I was probably still in school. I might have been in college. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when... He, um. And if I'm correct in this, now I went to Arizona State University uh, in 1981, 82. And I think the guy who plays Ernest, I think he was in a local commercial. Oh, my God. On, in Phoenix. Like, you know, like whatever their Channel 5 is. And that's how he got his start. Like he was this goofy guy and like a, either like a used car place or something like that. And he parlayed it into this goofy character in the movies. Trying to see if I can find a uh, 1984 KPHO Ernest. KPHO, there you go, Phoenix. Christmas sports promotion commercial. <laughs> oh my god. There you go. See the old memory every now and then it kicks in. Oh man. That might have that seemed like maybe it was Oh, come on now. Might have been after he had that, done one. Yeah, that looks like maybe he was already kind of known at that point, but Right. Anybody use YouTube on their phone and you put it in full screen and then it gets like locked sideways? It's super annoying. Yeah. Um, yeah, let's see if we can find it. That's a little, um, yeah. that's something worth knowing. We'll look for that on the Patreon. 
We and remember and that. we'll find it because everything's on the internet. That's right. <laughs> so one thing I thought of and found interesting was had they make veneers back in the day, and you yeah, know, I was wondering that. Well, you know, everything came from the Sawyers, and originally you had two guys on one on either end of a saw, and it this is unbelievable to me that you know the the best guys could produce two or three sheets per centimeter which was is about an eighth of an inch thick well, you know not the centimeter right. you know the sheets they could they could create like an eighth inch thick sheet of veneer now centimeters what um i think it's um what it came out to i had to well, look it up 2.54 centimeters to the inch no um, well, maybe, yeah, I don't know. Maybe my math was r- incorrect. I put centimeter inch. Uh, how much is a centimeter to the inch? Let's see see what you get. How many centimeters in an inch? Yeah, 2.54. So that would be 1 divided by 2.54, right? 0. 0.39. Okay. 3875. Point three seven, yeah. Well. That's that's what that's how I came up with the eighth inch. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Like three eighths of an inch. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Minus the thickness of the the blade, I guess. Yeah. Imagine that. Wow. <laughs> I I can't. No. <laughs> because you're not just cutting like a little piece. You're cutting right. a sheet. Well, you know, not a, like a. I mean, some of those pieces sheet. are big. Yeah. So from 1730 to 1830, you know, roughly, veneers um, were the work of the Sawyer. And if you were a veneer cutter, that meant you were like top dog. That was the pinnacle of being a Sawyer. Right. And I don't know what kind of blade they were using or on what size pieces, but some of them could get five or six uh, slices a veneer per inch. Jeez. Um, that's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, so, as may be supposed, when they came into the hands of the cabinet maker, they were very rough and irregular. Those are the veneer pieces we're talking about. And uh, to get over which, the smoothing plane and toothing plane were freely and energetically used. <laughs> At the beginning of the day, I, I, lo- I love the way people used to write, you know, and speak. <laughs> so sometimes I'll read my notes uh, directly. Sometimes I'll paraphrase, but it's great because you know, uh, folks used to write with a just a different flair. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> The smoothing plane and the toothing plane were freely and energetically used. <laughs> yeah, that that was uh, written in 1881, back when they, they still uh, had a little bit of style in their writing. The Furniture Gazette. Yeah. <laughs> um, by the 19th century, so we're still talking to the 1800s, Special circular saws were available to cut as many as six sheets to the centimeter. Oh, my God. That's crazy. But f- All but for the most difficult timbers, 
This technique is now conducted by less wasteful knife-cutting methods. I don't see, even see how that's possible to get six out of a centimeter. Right. I don't either. How thin is that blade? Exactly. Um, and it may be less like a tooth blade and more like a knife blade, but um, the machines I saw... Uh, that were doing like I saw like the knife cutting machines. Yeah, it was almost like a big hand plane. Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, the uh, rotary where it, the log spins and then contacts the cutter and it it shears mm -hmm. off these big sheets. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. The rotary cut method it unpeels the annual rings from the rotating log in a continuous sheet. I guess that's how they're making plywood nowadays, huh? Yeah. Um, yeah, well, I mean, it depends. Like, you know, the plywood that we buy when we're buying, like, uh, you know, let's say, say we buy AA or A1 walnut. Mm -hmm. Usually it's either book matched or slip matched. Right. Um, but, like, your uh, pre-fin and stuff, that's all rotary cut. Yeah. Let's check out this veneer tabletop. Mm. Yeah, that's classic federal, isn't it? Yeah. What do they call these tables that fold over like that? Uh, I don't know. Is that a candle table? Uh, I don't know. Tea table? All I got is table. <laughs> it is a table. Yeah, well, to to describe it, I mean, you can see there's banding around. It's an oval top. Is it? Is it? Or is that just the angle? I thought maybe it was just, yeah, the perspective. That could be. Yeah, it's got like a... Uh, what would you call this? Like a... Um, uh, the words are escaping me. It's, it's like, like a, a string, uh, like, a, like a binding around the edge mm -hmm. that alternates. Like it almost looks like a, a piece of braided rope. Yeah. I th I think you were like on to a twisted I think they, strand kind of deal. I think they call that a string inlay, maybe. Mm -hmm. um, check out the center. <laughs> hey, an eagle. <laughs> yeah, that was big during the federal period. Yeah. Um, there's a Little there's fun feet on these uh, curved legs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's got uh, some swooping curves on mm -hmm. the, on the on the legs. Simple turn uh, center column. Yeah. Um, and what would you call those that that fanned out those fanned out stripes? There must be a name for that. Uh, like a sunburst, no? Yeah, there you go. And alternating veneers from the center. Yeah. Then there's that that eagle, which. Uh, I better look this up because there's a name for that. Um, oh, Potteray. Potteray Eagle? Yeah. Hmm. Um, they're pictorial inlays known as Potteray. Huh? I, I hope that's the way you say it. Pateray. P A T E R A E. Pottery sounds good to me. <laughs> um, so, 
again, to get back to the the explosion in the use of veneers, um, we're talking about what's going on. Wow. Oh, there's a up close? Yeah, yeah. So it's like marquetry, essentially. In a, yes. Um, you can see, like, the burned edges. Yep. Uh, you know, I don't know how they got, you know, I guess they died to get the red and the blue and the mm -hmm. white. Kind of looks like the the eagle from, like, uh, Sesame Street or whatever. Or the oh, Muppets. Big Bird. No, Muppets. <laughs> the one that's got, like, the ball oh, and, yes. like, the bushy eyebrows. Yes. <laughs> when you look at it up close. When you look at the other one. Yeah. It's like, wow, that's, like, a really, really good-looking eagle. Like, zoom into his feet and everything. Yeah. And it's kind of clunky where he's holding like the dog's, arrows. A dog's foot. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it's super small. Uh-huh. But, yeah, it's like looking like a piece of driftwood over here. <laughs> That's supposed to be an olive branch yeah. in the dog's foot. This looks like a bunch of arrows, but then when you look up close, it's just like two fat arrows. Yeah, yeah. So while we're oohing and on over some of the aspects of it, it's uh, you could see it. the execution isn't... Uh, you know, flawless. I've seen better pottery. Yeah. Um, so during this time, uh, trade to, you know, far off lands, you know, probably South America and um, the tropics and things like that. We're bringing in exotic woods, cutting them up for use in, in these veneers. Mm -hmm. um, oh, wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Look at these little wheels. Wow. This is another table with the top that, um, you know, folds up. I guess so they could slide against the wall. These yeah. Are occasional tables, I'm sure, then. Um, see some kind of stain here that... Yeah. There, too. There. Might have happened like somebody st while they were storing it or something, yeah. huh? I wonder if they did this so that you could show off the top, you know what I mean? Oh, that's not a bad suggestion, too. So when you're not using it and people came in, they're like, wow, look at that freaking yeah. table. Yeah, I mean, which is a big element in, in all of these furniture. Yeah. <laughs> Showing off. <laughs> well, I wish that would come back you in. you got to distract somebody from, like, the, uh, the smelly syphilis <laughs> wig you got on. I was about to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I want that to come back in vogue where people bought furniture to show off. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're showing off pocketbooks and shoes and everything like that and watches. Yeah. Um, Cars. Yeah. I want to see furniture come back as a statement piece. Now it's like, look at my, uh, you know, I got this $5 million house and we bought the cabinets from Craftmade. Yeah. Mm, boy. Yeah. I know. And, you know, we spent big money. We got the couch from West Elm instead of <laughs> Ikea. Crate and barrel. Yeah. <laughs> no, instead restoration being, hardware. Yeah, restoration hardware. Instead of being made by slave children, it was made by slave teenagers yeah. in Malaysia. <laughs> so <laughs> my title for this link was called Veneer Tabletop 2. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
it certainly fits the description. <laughs> um, again, it's sort of that, you know, that fanned out from the center, um, but they're, they're sort of book match. Are those book match pairs, or is, just, is that just the way the flitch laid out? Mm. Um, I think this might be the match right here. Yeah. Um, like that, the really dark one looks like it might be a pair. The, the next one down. Well, I think, yeah, they're book matched here yeah. and oh, here. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's like a 16, or no, maybe more. Uh, one, two, three, four, five. So what is there, 20, 20 pieces? Does that make sense? Yeah. What's a 20-sided uh shape called? I don't know. A double dodeca dodecagon. And what can we? I oh, we probably can't zoom in. I wonder what that uh, circular band is. Oh, that looks so. like walnut. Yeah. So yeah, there's a seam here, and there's a seam here, but then it also looks like maybe there's a seam right there. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. So this is a segment right there, and then that's another one. There's some tiny little uh, thing in the middle. Yeah. It's made up of a lot of pieces. Yeah, and look at the way they did the um, the grain on that, the outside band on the table. Like, it, it yeah, completely it's different. All uh, laid out the same way, but it's all, like, straight grain. Yeah, yeah. Wow. I, I like, like this base. Yeah, yeah. Some, uh, what are those, acanthus leaves? Big acanthus leaves on the top there? These, yeah. yeah. Or a feather, maybe. Yeah. Some gold. <laughs> and those little tiny wheels. Look at that. Yeah, I mean, don't go over a, a piece of dust with that. I know. Stop. Well, you know, they probably had like three or four servants wheel that thing out. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. It looks like it's triangular, too. This goes back mm -hmm. this way. This. Yeah. Was that a circle a cutout or yeah, something like the that center. there in the middle? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, again, it's it's worth it if you could um, take the time and, you you know, of course, support the podcast, get these, uh, uh, get a look at some of these things, or just do your own research. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not hard to find this stuff. Yeah, it's 2022. Do your own research. Um you know, you look up some federal period furniture, and because a lot of this stuff, the best pictures that I'm able to grab usually come from like the Met, yeah, and, and things like that. They have really high quality photographs that um, they don't uh, block from from being uh, copied and pasted and yeah, linking yeah. to, because uh, some of them, you know, they. Oh, there's an easy way around that. You do a little screenshot. <laughs> You can see, and what what do we got with that basin stand? I did make a note for the basin stand with string inlay. Yeah, the basin stand. Um, wow. It demonstrates the importance of string inlay uh, when wrapped around other inlay or used to define edging. Stringing focuses your eye and influences the design. I'd say this is a more typical. That's a federal, federal piece. looking yeah. piece. 
Yeah, some of those simple turnings. Yeah. Um, kind of on the bottom there where you might expect to see that those legs go straight down even, you know, with with edges instead of being turned. I wish I could zoom with the scroll wheel. Yeah, you get used to doing that, don't you? Yeah, like using Fusion? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but as you mentioned earlier, there's that stone top yeah. set in. Oh, it's actually recessed a little bit. Mm -hmm. I guess they put some kind of basin on there, a wash basin. Yeah. For washing your face or something. Yep. There's columns in yeah. the inlay. These stripes are a real common motif, I guess, sort of a um, little homage to the American flag. I think so. Um, yeah, that thing's that thing's checking all the boxes. Uh, for federal and, and neoclassicism and all that other stuff. Mm -hmm. um, there's a ton of different inlays, string inlay, regular veneering work on the drawer face. Yep. Um, they play with the direction of the grain, the different wood species. Yeah, I mean, look right here. Oh, in wow. This little, uh, whatever you call this. And, and like that curved part of the apron there. Yeah, they have the grain goes at a 45. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they... I, I guess that's almost it's, like a miter, huh? Uh, yeah. Oh, you know, yeah, I guess it's just a bookmatch veneer, but the the uh, the point they chose was at an angle. Yeah, yeah, really, really nice detail. Now, for the most part, I'm not looking to have any of this stuff in my house, but it's really easy to admire the workmanship. Oh, yeah. What's going on on the side of that case? Is that one? Is that a board? It's probably, I guess. I'm sure it's all veneer. veneer but yeah. Yeah, got the handle on the side, which is typical. Nice stuff. Yeah. Um, now I I added this link, uh, the underneath the Padre two. Pottery too. Yeah, the there's the link in, up there is um, the school woodwork. It's it's a pretty nice um, web page that kind of walks you through making this mm -hmm. this piece here. Uh, if anybody's interested in, in picking up some of those skills, uh, I'll I'll spell it. Well, I won't spell it. I'll just read it out. Schoolofwoodwork.com uh, forward slash how to make a federal period fan inlay using veneers. Uh. Um, and it's a it's yeah. a pretty easy step by step. Shows you how to you know calculate all the the because there's there's all those angles yeah. and this and you're fitting it into a circle. Right. Um, and you know yeah, you got a little sand yep. shading. Yeah. Well. So if anybody's interested, you know it's using a plain iron to cut them. Mm-hmm. This looks like something for the uh, Working Hands podcast. Make what you fear. 
competition. <laughs> I, I definitely fear that. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it's cool because she's, you know, it demystifies it a little bit, you know, not that yeah. we didn't know kind of what went into it, but um, I didn't realize that the, the black was a whole separate piece. Mm -hmm. I mean, I thought that was somehow uh, one piece, but, you know, if you think about it. So they, there's a lot of work in that little thing. I need to look up how to say this word. Yeah, there you go. How, let's see. Let's see how far off we were. The Internet's a beautiful thing. Is there going to be an ad? Nope. Hey, I got no sound coming out of my... Uh... It's there, but uh, let's see what we got. It's because I have it muted. Oh. What's going on here? What? Paterai. Paterai or E. So does she mean pat Paterai or Pateri? Paterai or E. Emma saying dot com. Emma, listen, do a better job. That's the worst uh, how to say video I've ever seen. Can't you put a pause in there if that's if that's what? Yeah, or say Patrai or Patri. Sorry for the men's warehouse ad. I mean, it was one this plural. Is the same person. Here we go. Patrai. Patrai. Why do they have to do it with a robot voice? <laughs> it seems like a total cop-out. <laughs> so there you go. How to make a federal period fan pateray. Or pateree. <laughs> oh, man. Is the Duncan Five tool chest? Yeah, it's that same tiny picture. I know. I, I believe me. I, I tried like crazy to find a really good picture because that's a, you know, it's a famous. Yeah, you can go see it. As far as I know, I think uh, Freddie was saying that that uh, he's seen it in person. Yeah, I wonder how much it weighs. I think we've gone over this, but uh, it it has about three hundred tools in it. Wow. For carving, veneering, inlaying, it's got sixty planes, chisels, 60 gouges. Planes. My God, yeah. how many woodpeckers? <laughs> how, could you imagine the work that they would have done if they had woodpeckers? Yeah, I mean, Duncan Fife was a was a slouch compared to those woodpeckers. Yeah. Users. Uh, I, I, I add here that the Duncan Five tool chest has inspired countless interpretations. And uh, boy, you see, if you uh, if you got the uh, transcripts, 
you I've included a link to the Duncan Five tool chest drawing. Oh yeah. You can make your own Duncan Five tool chest using real drawings. Well. Good luck. <laughs> good luck with that venture. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Um so what about some uh examples of federal period architecture and design? Check it out. The Resolute Desk. Yeah, the Resolute Desk was actually, uh, after I had done this research, this was a question on Jeopardy. <laughs> uh, yeah, I remember you telling me that. And, I, I, man, I felt smart. <laughs> so I'll tell everybody the story of the Resolute Desk. Uh, it's also known as the Hayes Desk because uh, it was Rutherford B. Hayes was the president when this thing was gifted. Mm. Um so it's a partner's desk. Uh, it's been used by several presidents. It's in the Oval Office. Um, and it was a gift from Queen Victoria to President Rutherford B. Hayes in 1880. And it was built from the oak timbers of the British Arctic exploration ship HMS Resolute. So it's called the Resolute Desk. The desk weighs, guess how much? Well, I'm looking at it. I'm looking at it right there in front of yeah. me. I can't guess. Thirteen hundred pounds. HMS, Her Majesty, Her Majesty's. What's ship? that stand for? I, I don't know. I'm, yeah. I'm guessing ship. Um, yeah. So the whole desk weighs thirteen hundred pounds, and uh, it was created by William Evenden, um, and they say probably from a design by Morant Boyd and Blanford. What happened was they. The Queen ran a contest. Huh. Yeah. Um, so the, the story of the Resolute is that it was abandoned in the Arctic waterway, and I can't say the name of this waterway. Tarayunwak. Uh, yeah, probably a Native American name, it looks like. Yeah, well, or Native Ar Arctician. Yeah, <laughs> Arctician. <laughs> 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 I don't know what you call people who live in the Arctic. Eskimos? There you go. Yeah. Yeah, they're still they're still native up there. <laughs> they're just not American. No. Um, so this this polar explorer, uh, this this ship, the Resolute, was abandoned in 1854 while it was searching for another lost expedition. Jeez. Um, and it was found in 1855. Uh, the next year floating in the Davis Strait by an American whaling ship. Hmm. So uh, they, they bring it back uh, and they repair it. They, mean the Americans, we repair it and we return it to the United Kingdom as a gesture of goodwill. Um, okay, we know we kicked your ass about uh, 80 years ago, but here's your boat back. <laughs> yeah, here's your boat back. Don't, try not to lose your stuff yeah. in our territory. Idiot. <laughs> Um, so what they did was they decommissioned the boat, um, about 25 years later. So they, they actually used it for mm -hmm. a little while. They broke it up and held the aforementioned competition to design and build a piece of furniture from its timbers that, uh, the queen could give to the American president. Wow. Um, it's a pretty impressive piece of furniture. Yeah. 
Here's what I want to know. Why, how come only the last five presidents have used it? Yeah, they they don't all use it. I mean, it's available to them. Yeah. But uh, they kept it in storage. Yeah, no, that should be like, uh, that's the desk. I'm Right. No, no choice. That's what I thought, too. I mean, if you look at it, it's got the, the presidential or the American seal. It's, yeah. Now, there's, you know, a well-executed eagle with the the olive branch and the arrows yeah um oh see this is this picture the focus is on oh, oh on the prez yeah this is the only thing i don't like is this little detail right here yeah it's like it's kind of like a shoe molding i it looks like it was kind of added on doesn't it yeah i wonder i mean it I wonder if that was added on to raise the height of the desk. Could be. Where that's not original. Look at this. You know, it looks like this is a panel. Grain carries through. This is all <laughs> I <know>. relief carving. <laughs> it's, it's insane, isn't it? Yeah. When you really study it, um, the amount of work. You know, this base cap has like a rope, carved rope at the yeah. bottom. Yeah, that that looks like it's a, like a an added-on riser, because the color's a little different. It is. Hmm. It's a little looks darker here and lighter there, but yeah. it's all the way around on this one. Yeah, it might just be optical illusion because it's two different pieces of wood. Hmm. All right. So you want to take a a quick uh, trip through um, uh, the periods that we went through, get yeah. up to this federal period? Yeah, we'll give everybody a little refresher and ourselves. Yeah, so we started off with the early American period, 1640 to the 17 to 1700, you know, roughly. Um, it's the first period where a distinct style begins to appear within furniture pieces in the colonies mm -hmm. that went beyond just practicality. Um, some finials, carvings. You know, you're you're moving from just the the hard scrabble life, right? To oh, let let's make something that looks nice. Um, native woods. Most of the stuff made in America is going to be native woods until mm -hmm. we get to the to the mahogany era. Um, colonial, which for whatever reason I always thought was going to be the first one. Yeah. Um. 1700 to 1780, heavily influenced by pieces from England during this time, including William and Mary, Queen Anne, and Chippendale, uh, although the American versions tended to be uh, much less ornamented, more conservative, um, oil varnish, paint, were, you know, the, the typical finishes. Dovetail joinery began to make an appearance, along with mortise and tenon joinery. Um, and uh, mahogany starts to uh, creep its way into the picture here, mm -hmm. uh, along with elm, walnut, you know, the, the natives. We move to the Pennsylvania Dutch, who uh, they were a surprise appearance in our list of 12. Yeah. Uh, be quite honest. Um, now, this 
was marked by a German influence. You know, the the Pennsylvania Dutch, as we uh, recall, were actually Germans. The Pennsylvania <laughs> Deutsch. There you go. Uh, real utilitarian stuff compared to what was starting to emerge in the you know design world. Yep. A lot of painted stuff, if mm-hmm. I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah. Um, and painted like scenes, not yeah, not just um, like they had the birds and the tulips yeah, yeah. and unicorns and all crazy yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. And the other thing I remember was it, it didn't really be, it as it was happening. It wasn't known as a style. Yeah, it was it was in a vacuum for sure. Yeah. Um, this is all because it gets discovered in, I, if I remember, the 1920s mm-hmm. or, or so. And it's, yeah. it's kind of this, wow, this stuff is cool folk art. Right. Um, well, you know, we could see a lot of this stuff is happening concurrently. And now we get to the federal period. Um, 1780. Uh, it introduces a variety of ornamental styling such as fluting, inlays of contrasting woods to create shapes and designs, banding with contrasting veneers. Um, there's, a, there's a graceful elegance, um, even though there's, it's called federal, there's still heavy French and English influence, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of brass hardware, um, usually... Shapes found in nature, you know, those... Leaves and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, And Thomas Sheridan was probably the most important figure in this period because of the success of his his book, I'll call it. Uh Um, And he was really the most widely reproduced um, designer of the early 1800s. He, you know, he's got a... A whole period named after him, mm-hmm. um, which is a subset of the federal period. Uh, and you know what else starts popping up is upholstery. Yeah. Yeah, and that kind of started with Chippendale, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's still pretty expensive until we get into the, the next couple of uh, periods. Uh, and for the most part, a lot of this stuff is is still for the wealthiest yeah. folks. You know, people people like you and me, we we weren't partaking. No. <laughs> if we were we were around, you know, as as simple uh farmers or or workers, we didn't really have anything like this. Mm-hmm. Um There was one guy that uh I I wanted to mention who was an important federal period architect, and he was uh, Samuel McIntyre. Uh, he designed these homes on Chestnut Street in uh, Salem, uh, Massachusetts. And if you think of like a federal style house, he's the dude. He's the guy yeah. that. Um, you know, it's like the, I don't know if he, I, I won't say he invented, he's the guy that perfected this style to um, to the point where we recognize it as something. Like, he, even the lay person can say, oh, that's a federal style house. Right. Um, I'm surprised I don't have a link here. 
Oh, I have a McIntyre side chair. Oh, I know why I brought up McIntyre as well. Um, so I brought up McIntyre because, uh, and I, I, even, I even wrote this in italic so that I would be able to make that segue. See where I said, I, why mention Samuel McIntyre? You just didn't get far enough into your, uh, <laughs> into your notes. You had to put it earlier. <laughs> All right. So why mention, why, why did I bring up Samuel McIntyre? <laughs> and look, you spelled it different, too. I know. <laughs> It's yeah, a different you guy. See, you can see I spell it different. I spell him different every time. <laughs> In 2011, a mahogany side chair with carving attributed to Samuel McIntyre sold at auction for $662,500. Whoa. Setting a world record for federal furniture. The handmade and hand-carved chair made in the late 1790s was one of a set of eight. Oh, man, I would have liked to have had the other seven. Originally purchased by Elizabeth Crownshield and Elias Haskett Derby. Hmm. Let's take a look at that side chair and see why it's worth 600 Oh, God. It's just a shield back. <laughs> yep, there's the shield back. That's a, that's a Chippendale, isn't it, or is it a Sheraton? Uh, I can't remember who did the shield back. I thought it was Heppelwhite. Was it Heppelwhite? There you go. But, man, is this that... This is looking a little Jacobian. Yeah. That's really an understated design. Yeah, I mean, we can't, I mean, there's definitely some carvings and stuff mm -hmm. that we can't see that well, but. Well, it goes to show you what an important figure McIntyre was, mm -hmm. because um, it's not really based on the, the, the design of that chair, but, um, oh, I did have a couple links to the, uh, there you go. There's some of McIntyre's work. Look at those chimneys. Those are great. Yeah. Mm. There you go. It's like when you think of Boston, you know, Faddle yeah. Hall and all that stuff. <clears throat> yeah, I, right, it looked like the four square with the chimney in each corner of the house yeah. kind of thing. Um, yeah, very cool. The shutters on the windows, the... I mean, one's got yeah, these big entablature. Entablatures over the windows. Yeah, the the front, they have the the, the columns. This big pediment. See, if that house was in Staten Island, the columns would go all the way up to the third floor. <laughs> It'd be about six <laughs> times the diameter too. Yeah. And the house would be stucco. And there'd be lions out front. Oh, God. <laughs> Statue of David. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that that's some classic uh, federal architecture. Yeah, um, I like this house. Yeah, I like the gray. I love that. What do you call those intertwined blocks at the corners? I was trying to think of that. I don't know. Um, the way they tooth in um, the, yeah. the blocks almost looks like a, a zipper at the corner. Yeah, they're like railroaded, I guess. Uh huh. And then, but it's a clabbered house. Yes. Uh, I mean, obviously they they pick out a couple of really nice examples to take pictures of, but, mm -hmm. um, I, I There's could... something 
very regal about these big, tall chimneys. Yeah. I mean, the chimneys extend 15 more. I mean, yeah. if this is a floor. Right. That's They're 20 feet out of the roof. They are. Yeah, it's it's a really fine-looking home. I mean, this is a honking chimney right here. Yeah. That's like 8 by 8 That's probably the kitchen back there. Yeah. Um... I mean, look at all the windows. How many windows does that gray building have across the front of it? Wow. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 15, 14. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, not like today's homes where, like, the side of the house will have no windows on it. Just one in the bathroom. Yeah. This, this double bay window. Yeah, that's pretty nice. You could see, like, reading a book or something in there. A nice sunny day. Powder in your wig. <laughs> There's, like, a little uh, roof here with a side door. Yeah, yeah. I lived in a house like that that had one of those porticos on the side. Mm -hmm. That was really cool. Oh, yeah. I like that. You drive in and it's... Chauffeur know. drops you off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wasn't quite that nice, but... <laughs> Yeah, in Texas, who lived in a place like that. Nice stuff. Yeah. So that wraps up our... Um, That's the federal period, folks. Yeah. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah, getting into some um, some cool stuff, some more inspirational stuff, I'd say. Yeah, you know, um, at, through a couple of these... You, you find it, you know, well, you you run out of maybe some things to say and, and talk about and discuss. I tell you, as I started getting into the um, the arts and crafts, and mm -hmm. uh, th those, they're like 20-something pages. <laughs> and I had to, like, cut things out. Yeah. It, was just, it was too much because mm -hmm. um, also it's more recent, so there's more there's more stuff available yeah. to see you know the some of this you had to do some deep diving on. yeah but it's, it's been pretty cool uh i've learned a ton yeah um going through all these periods of furniture so far and i hope everybody else uh has as well and uh, maybe inspired them to do some research on their own yeah do your own research because we we all sort of tend to fall back to whatever it is convenient, you know? Mm -hmm. Now, I can't really see us um, doing anything straight federal, but, you know, there are definitely um, cues that we could pick up from that period. Yeah, and, you know, stuff that we do uh, prefer was inspired by everything that came before, mm -hmm. so you're always going to... It's kind of like rock and roll, you know? Yeah. It all goes back to Chuck Berry somehow, mm -hmm. uh, and then uh, Jimi Hendrix and all this. It's it's all built on the shoulders of these folks. So will we bid adieu? Yeah, well, that's what we got for you this week, folks. Um, so next week we start what the a Empire? I Empire. Yep. Yeah, it's gonna be um, gonna be a good history lesson at the top of that one. Yeah. <laughs> My wife, you know, it's funny. I'm having breakfast this morning. My wife says, "Empire, what's that about?" I'm like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. <laughs> I need my notes. Don't want to get into this." 
Well, folks, thanks for tuning in. Uh, we'll see you next week. Yeah, take care. <laughs>